Hey, what's up, my friends? Dave Watt here with Elevated Agents, the number one business building show for real estate agents. If you're not familiar with the show, what we do is talk to top producing agents, thought leaders, industry and marketing experts on what is working in business today. And today we're in for a treat, my friends. We are talking with Andrew Duncan. Now, Andrew and his wife, Angela, run a very successful real estate team at a REMAX office down in Tampa, Florida, and absolutely killing it right now. And we dug up some great stuff. Some of the stuff we talked about was the foundations and how Andrew got started to build such a great real estate team, how he hired and structured his real estate team today. He talked about three the tools that Andrew used to catapult his business to 400 transactions in a year. Uh, we also talked about how he tracks his marketing efforts and then we get into um, how he's making these really cool Hollywood-like luxury video tours and much much more. Now Andrew really brought the heat on his interview. Um, all the links that we talked about are over in the show notes at elevatedagents.com so make sure you go over there to check them out. Um, without further ado, here's my Canada interview with Andrew Duncan. Enjoy. All right, folks, welcome to Elevated Agents. I'm Dave Watt here today with rock star real estate Andrew Andrew Duncan, owner and CEO of the Duncan Duo Real Estate and uh, Remax Dynamic in Tampa, Florida. And he's actually the host of the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show on 970 AM WFLA. Uh, Andrew's a great friend of mine and mentor of mine. He's actually the man responsible for my success in real estate. And uh, Andrew's team have been killing it in a very competitive market here in Tampa. And uh, with their innovative strategies and hustle, they're now really a dominant force down there. So uh, welcome to the show, Andrew. It's great to see you and have you on. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Appreciate it. No worries. So kind of let's get started with a few of the basics. Tell me, like, how did you get started in real estate and uh, kind of where you're from and how you kind of got started in this game? Sure. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. We, um, we've been a team now for four years. Before that, I became an individual agent, and that was back in 2005, 2006. Right when the you know the kind of the boom and then the you know all the all the crazy stuff was happening. Right. I was working for a Fortune um, 500 company in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and uh, I'd started buying investment properties. I was doing really well, mm -hmm. uh, and got to a point where I wanted to start investing some of the money I was earning in real estate, looking really more for rental properties mostly. Right. And the more I got engaged with real estate agents and the real estate business, the more I the more I fell in love with it. The more I liked the idea of of pursuing, you know, a career in, in real estate. And bit by bit I just, you know, transitioned into getting my license and transitioning from investor and employee at that company to running my own real estate business. So started as just me as an agent and then, you know, eventually my wife left her job uh, in the banking world to join me. Right. Um and then we started building a team from there. She, you know, it's perfect because a lot of times husband and wife's in the real estate business have a challenge working together, but we, you know, we're blessed to have completely opposite personality profiles. If you've heard of the DISC test, I'm the DI, she's the SC, so we kind of have the whole balance. Yeah. So I can focus on, you know, the growth side and the marketing and sales, and she focuses more on financials, operations, and compliance. Very cool. So are you still doing any investing as well, or just... We do, yeah. We yeah. buy a couple of investment properties every year. It's kind of like the real estate uh, broker slash agents 401k program. So yeah, we're always <laughs> looking for good deals. Cool. So what do you think was the uh, most important thing you did in the beginning to really start accelerating your success when it was just you on your own? I would say first and foremost, education um, was first. Persistence uh, was, was second. Mm -hmm. So uh, learning about the real estate industry, you know, watching any webinars, taking any classes that I could. And at that point, I was 
limited by a budget. I mean, I had done well in my prior career, so I had I had a nest egg yep. uh, kind of put away, but I didn't have cash flow. I didn't have sales happening, so I couldn't go out and spend a lot of crazy money. Yep. But but there were opportunities for free stuff, for mm-hmm. for you know inspirational calls, for motivation, accountability. And for me, it was really learning the business first and, and educating myself on that. After that, it became really attacking you know your sphere of influence and who you knew, and 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 really building that out and and then persistence, uh, persistence without exception. I think was the was the next key to us continuing to grow. So really, it was just kind of mastering the market and learning the the business as a whole, and, and then going from there. And and a lot of people that get into the real estate industry don't have the capability of being able to say, oh, "I'm not going to make an income for six months." I was I was blessed that I that's truly where I was. I mean, yep. we sold we're we're going to sell almost 400 homes this year, and in the first six months in the business, I sold one. <laughs> that was my that was my parents' house, so it shouldn't even count. I think I gave them back all the commission too, so I was I was not making any money. But what I focused on really was getting better, learning from people that that were that, that knew the industry, and and then getting to the point where I knew enough uh, that I was comfortable enough, just persisting and and failing myself forward until I figured more and more out. I'm I'm more of a learn by, um, you know, attempt as well. So I I got enough education to feel comfortable selling it and talking about it. And then I just went out and, and started firing away and doing it. Yeah. Okay. So then you said six months for your first sale. So when were you first starting to actually inject some cash in your business to kind of generate? I would say that actually that second six months, I started socking some sales away. I would say, I, you know, that second six months, I probably sold a couple of homes a month. Yep. Um, and then in year two is when I really started to, to kind of build out and learn the business and do pretty well financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really it really kicked for me in that in that second half of the first year I was in. And then the second year I was in, I had a really consistent book of business, had some nice lead sources that I was working and then started thinking about, okay, I'm going to get to a point where I can't do all this on my own. I'm I'm I am my own assistant. Right, right. So right. when you're talking about your second year and you're talking about your lead source, is that when you first started spending money on your business? It was generating um, those lead a sources? little bit, but not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I was still mostly focusing on sphere of influence, doing the free stuff, Craigslist yep. ads, mm-hmm. prospecting to Fizbos and expireds, mm-hmm. calling my sphere of influence, um, referrals. You know, I would say it wasn't until until year three that I really started spending significant money. Up until that point, I think I mastered the basics mm-hmm. and I mastered everything I could without having to come out of pocket to mm-hmm. make an income. So, what was your what would you say was your your first spends, and was there any kind of good spends or bad spends when you first started kind of spending money in your business? Yeah, I think when I first got in, uh, I didn't have the network I have now or the connections I have now to do due diligence. Right. So I did make a couple of bad decisions. I said, okay, let me try this service for X, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't produce any business. Mm-hmm. Or let me try and run an ad in the newspaper, and that was a colossal failure. <laughs> um, but not to say that you can't do newspaper ads successfully, but at right. that point. My marketing savvy wasn't enough to know how to use it the right way. Right. So um, I did some of that stuff. I did, you know, postcards and things like that. But I didn't realize how consistent uh, you had to be with any type of marketing you do. So I, I wasn't really making much from the marketing dollars I'd spend. So I would do the, you know, I did the Realtor.com premiere, and mm-hmm. I did, you know, I did some stuff with Zillow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I paid for. Uh, postcards and and then I, I had a decent little website, but it wasn't anything crazy. It was still more or less just me building by building from the basics at that point. Right, right. So at that point, I guess if you're looking at your spends, I, and what I think I heard from you is 
And what maybe happened to a lot of agents is they maybe they don't give enough time to see an ROI. Like they'll do something for a couple of weeks or a month. It's not getting results, so they just quit doing it and they just jump to the next thing. And that's, and that's what I did. Right. Um, I would be like, oh, I'm going to spend $800 and send out a postcard to all these people. Right. And I'd do it once. Right. I'd be like, oh, I didn't get any business from it. I'm never going to do postcards again. Postcards suck. Right. But it wasn't really the postcard sucked. It was that I sucked. I right. didn't give it enough opportunity to work. Mm-hmm. So. I think I learned over time that, you know, with, with through coaches and through different people I'd meet and talk to about their businesses that you know, anything like that you're going to do, you're going to have to do it consistently over time or it's not going to be successful. So all the stuff that we do now, we know that we have a long lag time mm-hmm. um, and we do a lot of due diligence before we do a new marketing program or marketing campaign now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we give it time to work and then we measure the results. We mm-hmm. track everything. We spreadsheets and analytics and you know we're tracking everything we do to make sure what what is and what isn't working right so i guess a key takeaway is if you're going to if you're going to attack any kind of lead source is just really make sure you have the money set aside to go you know full out with it just don't go halfway I, the other thing is also establishing something where you can truly track it mm-hmm. i see so many agents that do like a newspaper ad and they do their same phone number and their same website on the newspaper ad. Mm-hmm. Then they, they they really if they get that kind of cold lead and they call the person, the person can say, "Oh, I you know, I found you here." I found, they don't really know where they came from. So trying to figure out solutions for that. So mm-hmm. set up a different website, yeah. set up a different phone number, set up a different email or a or a URL with a hash, you know, slash right. such and such. So you gotta you gotta if you are gonna start getting into a lot of advertising and marketing, you gotta be able to know by more than just asking your client where the business came from because most of the time they forget or they don't tell you the truth about right. where they came from or they came and haul about it and then you just put it into the, you know, you don't really truly track it the right way. Right. And do you have any tools or anything that you use specifically that, for tracking that people can access or what? Yeah, we, obviously we use Top Producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use our lead, we track our lead sources in Top Producer. We use Google Analytics to track traffic to websites and which you know where we where things come from. Um, You know, and obviously we're you know asking people. You still want to do that, especially when you're talking about phone calls. Yeah. We also use different URLs and different phone numbers. So like uh, different toll free numbers for different types of uh, advertising we do. Is there a specific tool for that? The toll free number that you find works. Uh, Use Grass Grasshopper is one that we've used. Okay. Um, And then we we have an 800 number through. Phonality, which is our phone service too, so we have we have two of them. Okay, uh, so they're like a VIP kind of online thing. Phonality is Grasshopper is an online kind of phone forwarding system, so it's an eight hundred number, and you set it up to ring to cell phones or landlines. Okay, and that's all trackable, so you can see how many calls are going into where, if they're getting answered, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Very cool. Um, now let's talk about you know we talked about kind of you getting started and Angela coming on board with you. When was it that you kind of got that aha moment when you said, I got to start building a team? Well, that was actually Angela joining. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, I was creating more business and I was ready to hire an assistant. And, we, you know, we were with a prior company before, you know, we started with Remax and it, it, a, lot of their, a lot of the company really, you know, pushed the team concept. And it made a lot of sense to me because I knew that, you know, the power of a team, I've been an athlete. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew that, you know, you had to, you know, no single person does anything great without a team. Right. So I knew I wanted a team to leverage and provide mm-hmm. more help to our clients, mm-hmm. uh, but also to help more people. So, and to help me. Right. So when, um, when Angela joined me, it actually wasn't really planned. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I planned on hiring an assistant. Right. Uh, she, she was in the banking business and it was starting to change a lot. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't an enjoyable position that she was in. Right. So we talked, and finally she, you know, agreed to to come and work with me. And and as soon as she got going, and she was going on her piece, and I was going on my piece, we we experienced the same thing again. Yeah. Too much business, not enough time. Time to hire more agents. Yeah. So, um, besides her and me firing each other like seven or eight <laughs> times. And threatening to throw each other out of the house over a one-year period. That's when we really started to, to build it out. Cool. So I guess saying so going from there, like if I was if someone was not married or their wife didn't want to get involved, would you say the first hire would be an assistant, or would you go into first hire? Yeah, first hire needs to be administrative support okay. because you're you're a master salesperson. If you've gotten to that point, yeah, you need to take away the stuff that's not dollar productive that isn't going to make you money. Okay, or or that isn't going to help you help more people. So. You take away the admin, you hire an admin, and then and then the next step is you build you build the team from there. Okay, so as far as the admin, what would um, are you uh, would you are they working full time hours, forty hours a week? Or? Well, and again, some of that's going to depend. There, that was my case because I was fortunate and blessed enough to have a wife to say, "Yeah, I'm going to come work for you." <laughs> but but some of that's going to depend on how much business and how much opportunity you have for them and yeah. how quickly you want to grow. Because it's really it was amazing to me how quickly I took things off of my plate right. that allowed me to really focus what I was good at, which was which was selling real estate. So she took off all the pay paperwork, all the documentation, a, a lot of the process related things that mm -hmm. good salespeople aren't good at, aren't great at, you know. And was she managing the transaction well as well or just doing the administration? It was literally, I, I met with the the buyers and the sellers, signed the contracts, and then I went out and met more buyers and sellers. Cool. So she was managing most of that. Right. So then your second hire, is that when you brought on the first buyer agent, would that be? It was. Time? However, uh, if I look back on it, I may have hired another admin first. Really? And and helped more and, and been working more on the sales side of it. I think I could have hired another admin first, but but we did hire a. Our next hire was uh, another buyer agent. Okay. Uh, and then another buyer agent, and then another admin was the. And then Angela moved out of kind of the admin role into doing some other stuff. Um, and then bit by bit, we've added buyer agents with with when leads grow or when we list more, and and when we have a need. Um, and then when we run across people that we think fit our culture and our team, mm -hmm. um, so we're constantly out there looking for people that would fit with us, that would work within our model, and you know would be a good team player. Yep. Um, and now we're on the listing side of the business, doing the same kind of progression where we I, I have listing partners and listing agents that are now taking that side of the business, and we're going to build it out the same way we did with the buyer agent team. So basically, starting off with the admin, then we've got the buyers add on, and I, I assume you just add them on. At the point where they can't handle leads coming in, then it's it's time to add yeah, more. Yeah, it, it, it is that, and, and every person's a little different with how um, you know how many leads they can handle. We have systems in place where we can track response time, so we can say, okay, if our response time is getting really bad, mm -hmm. it means we have too many leads. Right. And how are you managing all the like the response times and the leads for the buyer agents? We use Boomtown. Okay. Um, it's it's a software program out there that's uh, marketed pretty well. They do they, they have a phenomenal system. Mm -hmm. um, and and we're able to track everything on the back end with Boomtown to monitor the buyer agent's response, performance, number of leads, and, and all those kinds of things. And there's so many tools of Boomtown that we don't even use yet. Right. But for where we are right now, it's it's a good dashboard and a good ability for us to monitor some of that flow, so we can say, okay, it's time for another agent. Okay, cool. And then so once we got the you got buyer business humming and stuff, so at that point you were just managing the listings. I was the listing agent, and I had uh, staff members that would do all the paperwork, coordinating photos, 
uh, helping with with uh, CMAs and market analysis, mm-hmm. preparing documents, all, all that kind of stuff. So my goal was really to just meet with seller, could prospect mm-hmm. to get seller appointments mm-hmm. or to follow up on leads that we generate from radio or one of our other sources and literally just meet with sellers as much as I could and list homes. That was that was my role. And then negotiate contracts. So sure. most of the rest of the process I'd leveraged through staff. So I'm not personally preparing the documents. I'm not personally managing the transaction. I'm not personally entering them on any websites. Right. I've got staff that, that does all those things. Very cool. And then at that again, when you when you hit kind of hit the tipping point when you was trying to bring on a, a listing agent, when was that? Do you think? Uh, it was it was the same thing on the buyer side. It was when either I got to the point where I couldn't keep up with all the opportunities, mm-hmm. or that I knew I needed another person to be able to serve people better. Yeah. And then, and then probably a third component of that was when I got a little burnt out on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing it long enough and have gone on hundreds of listing appointments, probably thousands, in all honesty, right. and and was just not really you know, loving it as much anymore. So I wanted to focus my efforts more on growing the company, new marketing initiatives, new ideas, um, and things like that. And I needed some new challenges. So I couldn't give the same level of service if I was handling all 30 of our sellers that we list each month or 20 or whatever it is. Yep. As I could if I leveraged part of that off and maybe I managed some of them and someone else managed the other part and then I could focus on some other opportunities for our for our group and our team. Okay, and now when, you, when you're looking out for, for both listing and buyer's agents, was there any kind of uh, struggles or is there a certain person that you think fits best within that team model? Yeah, I, I, you know, from a buyer agent side, I think you want somebody that's got an outgoing personality, mm-hmm. um, that's not afraid of the phone, that has a good phone voice, um, and that's willing to learn and educate themselves and be coachable. Yep. And and it's willing to fit a certain team first culture. Yeah. If they're not a team first person, mm-hmm. they're just not going to work in my organization. And I think anyone out there needs to understand that. And they also have to understand my financial model. Right. Uh, I don't I don't negotiate on that. My split is my split. It is exactly as it is. I've done the math to determine where it is. Yep. And if someone wants something greater than that, and and they're not willing to understand that. The greater split doesn't mean they'll make more money. Right. You know, it just means they're going to get less leads, right. less opportunities. You know, because that's the thing. Anyone can go out there to a hundred percent company and get zero of zero. Right. You know, so they have to understand that, and really buy into it uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost. That's the buyer agent. The listing agent, I think, has to be a, a little bit more of a polished, um, a little more polished, a little more persistent, have mm-hmm. some experience, mm-hmm. um, and be able to close yeah. uh, as well as still remaining a team player. So you probably, as far as the listing agent, you're not going to get anyone kind of green straight of real estate school you're looking for someone yeah, from, yeah. no nobody green in that role they'd have to be a buyer agent first learn the business and then maybe transition if their profile fits more for the listing agent after they've earned it so right. to speak so you have to put in your time cool right. so when you're talking about obviously you guys had explosive growth what would you say if we could give two you know tools that you're using in your business that have really kind of launched the buyer's business and the seller's business that you know you couldn't go without now that sustains your business and really got it to the next level? I would actually say there's three of them. Okay. Um, and if you're in Tampa, go ahead and turn this off right now. <laughs> like, like off and, and don't pay attention anymore. Just, you know, <laughs> we're going to mute this part for everyone. And we're going to track your IP and mute this part for everybody. That's, that's in Tampa. right. No, uh, no not, not, not true. Uh, first was um, 
we started advertising on radio and we do a guaranteed sale program. Okay. Um, radio and television experts, uh, Matt Wagner helps us with our radio program and he's exclusive to me in my market. So sorry, <laughs> folks, you can't have him, but, but nonetheless that we started that, that, that generated a lot of awareness for us. Yep. Um, it, it definitely generated a good amount of listing business for us mm -hmm. um, and has for the past several years. We're pretty known in our market from the ads that we run on radio. Yep. So that was first. Second was hiring a coach. Yep. Um, and, and not just any coach, but really investigating the coach that fits you best because every person has a different personality, yep. has different needs in their business. Um, and we coach with Corcoran uh, mm -hmm. Coaching Consulting. We coach directly with Bob Corcoran. Yep. And what Bob has done for us is really take us from being master salespeople to being master executives. So we're now the CEO of our company. So right. he's helped us learn to track our business better, hold people accountable, and run a, a system uh, that, that has grown our business and, and helped us stay in line. It also saves us money. We're able to bounce ideas off of him that he's seen other agents fail with or he's seen other agents succeed with. Yep. So um, that that was a big help for for really kind of organizing and structuring the growth of our team, and for the 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 um, kind of the change of our roles mm -hmm. as we grow the company. So um, he's been a great resource for us, and and he does it. And the thing I liked about Bob, and and there are so many great coaching companies out there. A yeah. lot of them that, that that I'm friends with that I've met personally. But the thing that that, that we really liked about Bob was that. Um, he coaches to exactly what you need. He yeah. doesn't have a system where he says you do this, this, and this, and this. He really gets in there and learns everything and then finds out how he can help you best. And that, that was something I personally needed. I needed somebody to, you know, to sometimes light a fire under my you-know-what. Right. I needed somebody that would tell me not what I wanted to hear, um, <laughs> you know, to help us grow. I think the third prong of that uh, was probably Boomtown. Yeah. It was a yeah. huge piece for us. Um, it's a really neat system. And this is not a boomtown sales pitch, but but it's a great system for a team. Yep. Uh, it's hard. It's it's expensive or hard to do from a smaller level, but for a good sized team with a lot of agents, mm -hmm. it, it it can generate and convert a lot of leads and has a lot of really cool tools for the buyer side of the business. Cool. So it sounds like the three of them. I mean, they really started to because I know you were generating lots of leads before, but it kind of elevated. How many leads you really it, generated? Yeah, it, it generated. It didn't necessarily generate that much more leads, but better quality. Um, and and I think over time we've just mastered each of those three things at, at helping us improve. We've learned how to trick different things or tweak you know tweak it to where we're constantly improving it. Okay, and then it sounds like what Bob did was really kind of help you systematize everything because I think what a lot of people struggle with is they might be doing a ton of business, but they don't know where the money's coming in, coming out, and, and really yeah. focusing Spreadsheets it. and documents and things like this that we can track every month to know where our leads are coming from, what our ROI is and all of our lead sources. Mm -hmm. um, so we can track, is this working? And if it's not, we cut it. Right. Uh, and again, I don't mean if it's not after a month, yep. we give it an opportunity to work, but you know, allows us the opportunity to track and know this source is working great or this one isn't. Right. Okay. So Boomtown Coaching and, and the radio show. And you said a lot of them are exclusive deals or for, for the agency? Um, no, I, I think, you know, for me in my market, my radio and the coach is exclusive. Mm -hmm. um, so Bob won't coach another agent in Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, his company will, but he won't personally. Right. And then um, with the radio, I do have exclusive stuff with, you know, contractual stuff for some of the endorsements we have. Right. Um, but, and again, um, 
you know, that, that varies from market to market. Obviously, I'm just saying that that's the way it is in Tampa. And Boomtown's a product that, you know, it's not a, it's not a uh, mass marketed product. It's a real specific niche product. Yep. So it's not exclusive anywhere that I'm aware of, but it, but they limit it so that they don't oversell or harm the agents that have the system. Very cool. Uh, I know that they, you know, they try and really pay attention to that. Cool. And then you, you, you just touched on endorsements. What maybe you can just touch on who's endorsing you and how that's kind of done for you for brand recognition and credibility and all that kind of stuff. Sure. We had, and that was one of the things that we did. We were growing, but not as well known, uh, back three or four years ago. And we, when we first started working with Matt, uh, Glenn Beck, uh, is who endorses us. Cool. So we took a little while to, to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's been great for my marketplace. Again, whether you're politically aligned <laughs> with him or not, um, whatever part of the country you're in, it doesn't, you know, necessarily mean that you know he'd be a great endorsement in California, for example. Right. But in our market, it's a wonderful endorsement. So you really want to look at where the right place for you is for the demographic you're marketing to, or the price point, or the audience you're marketing to, and, and then go after that endorsement. So we have Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity okay. uh, both endorsing us. So we're able to use that and leverage that. And then our radio ads are spoken by them. Okay, cool. And I remember you told me the story about, you know, someone kind of defaced one of your signs uh, that was a Glenn Beck hater. And I guess that can be a, a good thing, right? Because you're, you're shaking up the market, right? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, not trying to make a political stance with Glenn. I do align with a lot of what he says, but, but at the same time, um, you know, you're advertising to an audience that loves him and listens to him, mm-hmm. and it's a great, it's a, it's really a great piece for us. That's worked really well in our market. But you're right, we've had some people that don't like Glenn Beck, and that that's okay. Um, but but again, the people that that do like him love us because of our support for him, and um, and our growth together. Cool. I just want to also congratulate. I just saw on your Facebook page that you guys are actually the top Remax team in Florida for the uh, month of June. So congratulations yeah, awesome. on that. Yeah, it's very cool. That's cool. How, how, how many sides did you end up doing in June? Uh, thirty, I think thirty-eight. Nice, very nice. And uh, and then also on top of that, I mean, you've been doubling your business every year. Is there anything you did kind of more this year as opposed to last to help to help with um, that growth? Well, we opened a Remax office, <laughs> so that was—I would say—that does have a contributing factor because we went from being agents to owners. Right. And for us, it was nice to kind of take the shackles off and really be in control of our own destiny and make those decisions on our own without having to go through the, you know, the, you know, the minutia of another organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it kind of allowed us to have that creative control, flexibility for business decision making that that we that we've been lacking for a few years. So I think that. I think that getting our own location, our own building, yeah. really helped to kind of uh, move us forward. I also think we really clamped down on accountability. Yeah. So our agents got really proficient with their scripts, with with accomplishing goals, mm-hmm. and I think they really took it up a level. So when I talk about what we've accomplished this year, I put it mostly on the shoulders of our agents. Yeah. Um, they've really stepped up, um, you know, and and outperformed the market and worked their tails off, and I'm proud of. Uh, being in business with them they they you know really our growth this year we haven't done a whole lot different from a marketing standpoint other than the company change right but but really it was the agents you know kicking it in gear and saying you know what this is going to be a banner year for me and mm-hmm. i'm going to take a 
I'm going to take a more aggressive stance on my goal setting. So how do you guys hold each other accountable? Do you have like month or weekly meetings or daily meetings or something? We have like a daily huddle that we do every morning um, for, for 10 or 15 minutes. We talk about our goals for that day and what we have on our calendar. Mm -hmm. We have one-on-ones weekly and then we have a weekly team meeting. Mm -hmm. Then we do social events. We take trips together. Um, and, and then obviously we're monitored by system stuff where we can track everything that we're doing. Cool. And I also saw, speaking about like the culture and accountability and what you're doing in the office, I saw that you recently went to Zappos. to the Yeah, it was really Zappos. cool. We actually brought some super cool stuff back from that, stuff I'm really excited to do. We, um, so we brought back this little wheel that we spin now. When an agent gets a deal under contract, they spin the wheel, they get a prize. Nice. It's made it kind of fun. It's, it's kind of cheesy, but it's a lot of fun. Yep. But, but at Zappos, the, the place is so cool. Um, the culture of the company and kind of the laid back atmosphere of their office was really neat. Right. So we've taken some stuff from that. We're implementing it. So we have a we have a, a room in our in our office building that's basically vacant. It's probably a 250 square foot room, probably. Yep. And it's just sitting there with with nothing in it. So we've decided to turn that into kind of like our culture room. So yep. we're going to put a foosball table in there and a Wii. And it's going to be the place where the agents can go if they have a call or they need to you know let off some steam or take a break. Yep. Um, and then we're going to write our goals on the wall. And we're yep. going to just kind of randomly put awards and things like that up on the wall. But it's not going to be structured. It's just going to be like, you know, we're going to put this on the wall over here random. And, yep. and just kind of decorate it in a real cool fashion. Have a lot of fun with that room and make that kind of the room to, you know, to have fun in and, and take a break. Yeah. Kind of like the web companies from a few years ago when they'd have pool tables in the office. And it's not that we're going to not work hard, right. but we're going we're gonna to have a little bit more fun. Yeah, you want to make sure your, your, your working space is somewhere you're comfortable with and you can hang out in so you're not in yep. stuffy cubicles all day. That's cool. Yep. I love it. So that was a great takeaway. And I also saw on your website you're making some pretty awesome high production um, video tours for your listings. Yeah. Kind of tell me about that, how that idea came about, and was it easy, hard? I mean, you know, it awesome. was it was actually really easy, which really? is kind of crazy when I, mean, I said when I say easy. I don't mean it was cheap. Right. <laughs> it was it just didn't I just have it didn't have to do much. Right. Um, but we we actually got the idea from um, Dan Hamilton, who's a Keller Williams agent up in um, Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. So we had seen a couple of the videos that he did for luxury properties and I just thought they were so cool. Yeah, it was just yeah. such a new way to market a property. It was we're not talking and you can see one of them if you're interested in looking at it. Yeah. Uh 46sandpiper.com. Mm -hmm. It's uh, S A N D P I P E R.com and it, it's not a typical generic video tour. It's it's actors and a boat and music and a whole like theme played out. Yeah. So when I saw one of his, I was like, "Oh, I I have to get one of those." <laughs> So, but uh, but I also knew that it could help sell the property, and that that property is under contract, um, and it, it definitely had an impact. So when I when I when I developed our videos, you know, I hired the same company Dan used. Okay. I talked to some local companies, and really just didn't get the feel for that specific niche that I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I called the guys from um, you know up in South Carolina, and I had them come down here um, and help produce it. And I really gave them the creative control. I said, look, walk through this house and tell me what you think the theme is. Yeah. And they came up with a whole creative theme to it, the music, everything. They did everything. And um, I think it really has done a, it, definitely differentiated us. And, guys, I'm going to link up the um, the sites and stuff so you can check it out. It is absolutely amazing. And I was shocked when they had it put together. And so this company, is that something they do kind of nationwide or something? Can actually, you find no, that in their own backyard? They, they, they're actually wedding uh, yeah. 
filmographers. Yeah. And Dan had kind of known these guys, and the name of the company is called Artifice Films. Okay. But Dan had known them, and um, you know, he just brought, ran the idea by them, and they said, "Sure, we'll give it a shot." And they came out really awesome. And so I don't know that they're doing it nationwide. I'm, I'm sure that if you want to pay their travel costs, they'll come to you. But right. but um, you know, they, they did a great job. They came up with some really cool, creative stuff for these two properties that we did here. And we're going to have them come back to Tampa and do some more of them for more of our higher end luxury properties. Cool. So it may be something someone could look for a similar wedding for film videographer or something. Yeah. Like I mean, these, it's not that these guys couldn't do it for you. I mean, they may maybe could, but you mm -hmm. could take links to our videos and show them to other filmographers and see if someone else local comes up with it for you. I just, I went back to these guys cause I didn't want to have to reinvent the wheel. Right. So what was your response from the sellers and the, and the buyers in the market Were people just floored or what? I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> the sellers love, both the sellers loved it. Yeah. And, um, in fact, the buyer that bought the Sandpiper property commented about how cool, how cool the video was. So That's awesome. I know it definitely helped differentiate the property, um, because it sold the emotion of the property, not just the, the data and the facts. Cool. Um, so let's go back to me. If you were if you were to start again from scratch, is there any um, anything you would do differently, or kind of last advice for agents that are trying to kind of really you know explode their business? Um, I think first and foremost, like I talked about before, persistence without exception, and in an education, mm -hmm. master the basics. Yeah. Once you've mastered the basics, then you can go on to everything else. But don't try and throw. Um, you know, a, a you know, a great big house on a shoddy foundation. You've got to master the basics before you try and build something bigger and do a lot of production. So I think that would be the takeaway. As far as things I do differently, um, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, there's always decisions, but at the same time, you know, you always learn from them. Yeah. So I think some of the failures that we've had, some of the things that we messed up or didn't go as well as we'd like, mm -hmm. were. Um, hugely educational that helped us get to where we are that I don't know if I would have not wanted to do that. Right. You know? So don't be afraid to fail. It's just like a lot of the books tell you, you know, people say, oh, aim, 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 instead of firing. Right. Just stop firing. You're going to make mistakes. Yep. Learn from them. Learn from them quickly and, you know, and, and then you'll improve. Cool. So let's talk about what's up next for the Duncan Duo. What's, what do you guys got on the horizons to... Uh to build the business. Yeah, I mean, continue to grow our team. We're looking at a lot of different social media options for, um, you know, more branding and recognition in our marketplace. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a vision for a property management division of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then recruiting, you know, recruiting more agents that buy into our value proposition and our culture that we can help them grow. And, cool. I mean, you know, that's really, I think we, at this point we're more focused on our team than anything else, but in the future, probably additional offices, um, other business ventures, things like that. So to continue to kill it in Tampa. Yeah, keep killing it. <laughs> cool. So where can uh, people find more about your team? Where do you want to? Where's your website? All that kind of good stuff. Any websites? TheDuncanDuo.com. It's T-H-E-D-U-N-C-A-N-D-U-O.com. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube. It's YouTube.com/slash/TheDuncanDuo. Mm -hmm. uh, those probably be the two best places. And you know, on there we've got a lot of other stealth sites and things like that. But I think those probably would would give you the most information about us. Cool. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today. As always, you're packing the heat and uh, bringing some good stuff. I know everyone's going to love it. Um, and giving us some great advice. And remember, folks, come on over to elevateagent.com. I'm going to link up all the links we kind of talked about today and have some show notes. So come on by and see us there and sign up for our VIP list where we're going to be giving away a killer lead gen website. 
Other than that, Dave Watt signing off here. Thank you, Andrew, and have an awesome day.